What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet is brought to you by our presenting sponsor Panko Chicken. Panko Chicken is the home of the best Japanese American chicken tender and it continues to rack up the awards in Atlanta winning the 2019 Super Bowl Live Top Sling Vendor Award, multiple best-selling tastes at the Taste of Atlanta Awards in 2017 and 2018, and even the best fried chicken award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Panko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Panko, their family, and I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family. And I love them and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Panko Chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also, go to chasethomaspodcast.com. I am uh, I'm writing my ass off there uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all of my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream, this, uh, this sports media thing. And um, you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated, or Fox Sports, or DAZN, or whoever, um, because I'm not going to quit. I am, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles, and just outworking everyone, because I just, I just want this more, and I believe my product, and I believe... And where I'm going, um, we're over 300 episodes strong, and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down. Took a break, but this is uh, this is my jam, and this is what I want. This is my passion, and uh, yeah. So leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and all of that because i i just i need your support so if you like the podcast keep listening keep subscribing tell tell your friends keep sharing it out keep reading my work and uh yeah so okay all right uncle darren let's go chase thomas podcast the chase thomas podcast <laughs> um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it All right, welcome back to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am now joined by a first-timer, Jeremy Brenner. Jeremy, good evening. How are you doing? 
I'm good, man. First time on the pod. I'm I'm excited. You know, this hurricane, I'm living in Orlando right now, so this hurricane's been kind of a, you know, pain in my side for a couple of days, but uh it's just now starting to come to us a little bit, but uh Are you safe? That, Are you know, in danger being good. on this podcast right now? Uh I I am in the eye of the storm, but you know what, Chase? I got your email this morning. I'm like no matter what happens, I cannot turn down an invite to the Chase Thomas podcast. So, I'm actually no, I'm all good. I'm all good, but uh, I'm very excited to get your email, and I'm ready to talk Texans with you. Okay. Um, what a promo. I might have to cut that and clip it for, for future <laughs> uh, advertisements. I, I like that. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking out for you, man. What, what can I say? Hey, well, I appreciate that. So you'll always have a, a spot in this mm-hmm. podcast in the future. Um, so I want to start here, because I think the Texans are the topic of the hour right now for a multitude of reasons. But I want to pull a quote from Battle Red Blog, which you're familiar with. Um, and it goes like this in one rapid fire succession of moves, the Houston Texans dumped former number one overall draft pick Jadavion Clowney and their next two years worth of number one draft picks plus 2021's number two. We have to start there because a lot changed hands in those two deals with the Tunsil deal and the Clowney deal, but they it just came out of nowhere it a lot of movement when bill o'brien is i guess calling the shots right now and how like why they did it why the the miami deal fell apart because of uh clowney's refusal to sign the franchise tender so he could dictate where he got moved all kinds of moving parts but let's let's start there with what happened yeah so here's the thing clowney did not report to camp you know typical holdout kind of what you would expect but then it started to take a bit of a turn for the worst. And that's when we found that because originally at the beginning of training camp, it was Clowney's going to come back after the third preseason game. And you're like, okay, that's fine. But then they're like, oh, he might not come back until after the fourth preseason game. And then there's talks of, oh, he's not going to come back ever. And the fact of the matter is the Texans, I want to say they have not used their franchise tag in over you know, 15 years. And they've only been a franchise for almost, they haven't even been a franchise for 20 years. And they, they've only used the franchise tag, I want to say once or twice before this. Hmm. Uh, the last time I can remember, it was Dante Robinson. Uh, oh, wow. Cornerback, Falcon legend. Cornerback from, yeah, Falcon legend. So, yeah, there you go. And uh, yeah, originally though, a Texans legend who had the uh, franchise tag used on him. So, you know, it's very rare for the Texans to consider using the franchise tag, but Clowney was, a very unique case and it made a lot of sense for them to do it because Clowney is a very good all 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 pro linebacker. He absolutely deserves is going to deserve every penny that he gets from Seattle or whomever pays him um in the future. But the thing about the Texans is the Texans have this very tight window and they are paying JJ Watt they have only a couple more years until they have to pay Deshaun Watson. They're paying DeAndre Hopkins, and Whitney Merciless is getting paid. Um, they're going to have to, you know, they have several, you know, really good players, and it's what's kept them out of the basement of the entire league heavy. for years. Yes, yes, it's incredibly top-heavy. And Jadavian Clowney is worthy of that money, but are you going to use Jadavian Clowney when you have Whitney Merciless already there, when you have J.J. Watt already there, and when you have an offensive line that has absolutely, you know, no, like they have no money attached to the offensive line. They used to when Dwayne Brown 
uh, was with the team, but now they don't. So here's my theory on how this went down. I think in free agency, they wanted Trent Brown. They wanted Trent Brown, and they were going to pay Trent Brown the money they were going to allocate for Jadevian Clowney or a, a Trent Brown-like player because there were a lot of good tackles in free agency Saffold, this year, and Trent uh, Brown was the yeah. top one. They struck, they struck out on Trent Brown, and the reason why I say Trent Brown is because he was a Patriot, Bill O'Brien's part of the Patriots, yeah. so that, that sort of made sense. And when they struck out on Trent Brown, like, okay, we might as well tag Clowney so that we at least have him for one more year and hope that we can get the most out of his you know, prime. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney, not very happy about that, Understood, understandingly so. Um, Can we pause for one second, though, about the Trent Brown thing and then moving on to the Clowney stuff? Because I don't understand that way of thinking because ultimately you knew you were going to have this hole at left tackle no matter what. Even if you didn't get your guy, Trent Brown, that's not what free agency is. You don't just go for one guy, and then if you don't get him, it's it's over. All right, I guess we'll just draft a – we'll reach for a, a D3 type guy and plug him in because we know rookie offensive linemen do great in the NFL – I don't know why that line of thinking did just stopped with they Trent settled, Brown. They settled on Matt Khalil. That's, right. That's who they settled on. And Matt Khalil um, is a shell of his former self. And He's he, not even on the team anymore. You know, they, they paid him about, exactly. They paid him, I want to say, $7.5 million, and he ended up only making two, like about a third of what he was offered. So that was that was their idea, was they were going to you know go out for a Trent Brown, get a big-time tackle, they ended up striking out on their first, second, possibly third option. They ended up with Matt Khalil, and Matt Khalil ended up, and they were going to get Titus Howard in the draft or a tackle in the draft. I think they wanted Andre Dillard, but um, that's besides the point at this point. Well, didn't they the pick before Andre Dillard is, got picked? Am I misremembering? They, they, were, they passed on him. I, what happened was yeah. Philly jumped up mm. to, I want to say it was 22 or 23, and I was like, Andre Dillard's falling to us. This is exactly who the Texans want, exactly who I want. And then Philly jumps right in front of us and takes him. And it's happened so many times before where the Texans have been on the right end of that mm. when they got Will Fuller. When, but this time, they fell on the wrong side of it. They lost their guy, and then they ended up getting Titus Howard, who was probably their number two guy, who they could have gotten later in the first round or possibly even early in the second. But they, they needed, the fact of the matter is they needed to strengthen the offensive line, and they mm-hmm. had not done so. And this whole thing with Clowney was, let's try to trade in Miami for Laramie Tunsil. It makes a lot of sense. Laramie Tunsil is on a rookie deal. Um, we can pay him later. Um, and I he's mean, he's getting really paid good soon. Left tackle. Like, you're going to have to pay Laramie Tunsil mm-hmm. next year, right? I think he has, well, they picked up his fifth-year option in Miami, so he has two years left on his current yeah. deal because he's in year four right now. So the idea was, let's try to trade Clowney to Miami for Tunsil and whatever. Clowney was like, I don't want to go to Miami. And so that's when Clowney had all the leverage, and that's why the trade didn't get done. If Clowney was like, I'll go to Miami, the trade would have happened between Miami and Houston. Clowney would have gone to Miami. They probably would have sent one less draft pick. And once he said no to Miami, they were like, okay, well, we just tried to trade him. He's definitely not going to come back. Let's just send him to where he wants to go for because we need to get rid of him. I totally disagree with how Bill O'Brien managed that situation. Right. The fact that he was unable to get not even a second rounder 
from Seattle is beyond me. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I think teams knew he had no leverage I'm, and it was the, the franchise center. And he should have been like, if you're going to be the executive, a real executive would have been like, sorry, Bill, we can't trade him right now because there's not any good offers right now. So you're going to just have to ride this out for at least one more season because the but, offers are terrible. Yeah. But that's the unique situation about the Texans compared to everyone else. Bill O'Brien will say that it's a team effort and the GM position is being shared by multiple people, including himself. Mm-hmm. But let's get this straight. Bill O'Brien is a 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. This is six year as the coach of the Texans. Very few NFL head coaches make it to your six mm-hmm. and very, and only a fraction of those make it to your seven. He's trying to get to year seven. He's not going to do that with the roster that he had before. He's playing for now because he's trying to save his ass. Excuse me. He's trying to save his job. No, no, you can curse in this podcast. Yes. Okay, I'll curse as much as I want, Chase. Thank you for the uh, permission. (laughs) Say whatever the fuck um, you want, man. Bill Bill O'Brien is trying to save his fucking ass (laughs) right now. And that's the thing. He has has more to lose than anybody. His job is on the line if his team doesn't get to the next level this year. So what did they do? They traded the farm, got depth at receiver. They got depth. They got their left tackle that they were absolutely needing. And to be honest, look, getting Tunsil and Sills, that deal to me, I think the Texans won that deal. I don't care that they traded the farm. Mm. I would much rather have a proven left tackle who's in his early 20s. So the prime of his career hasn't even hit yet. I'd rather have that than a potential franchise left tackle. We got a franchise left tackle and we had been wanting one for, you know, two, two, three years and we couldn't get one. And we were ro- rotating around just, you know, swing tackles, Renner Giacomini, Martinez Rankin, Julian Davenport, just so many guys that weren't capable, but we tried to, you know, you know, assume or try to get, people to think that it would work but right. uh, there was no way it was gonna a lot work. of place Jeremy Tunsil is a step several steps ahead of all those guys yep. that we've had to let tackle and that's why i think the texans are going to do well this year i mean look here's the deal though if you don't win a super bowl out of this though now your team you lose the deal that's the thing is they need to show results now texas has never been to a conference championship they've never won more than one game in the playoffs they need to deliver now deshaun watson has his left tackle sacks are going to go down tremendously. His blind side is protected. Are we not and going to talk about the right side of the offensive have, line, though? Are we? Are we not going to talk I about mean, how that is still a conveyor belt with Sintrail Henderson? Chase, you're not supposed to. Eleven snaps in like 2018. That, Zach on. Fulton, 800 <laughs> snaps, 52 grade for PFF. Nick Martin was the fifth worst center in the AFC South. Yes, folks, you heard that right. There was a backup center who was grading better than <laughs> Nick Martin. Um, Larry Mitunsil solves the that problem, left tackle, but unfortunately. There are other positions on the offensive line that, um, let me check my notes here. Yeah, they are completely screwed on. So I, I don't know if they fixed the offensive line yet. I, I would say it's still going to be one of the league's worst. I think it, I think it's a lot better than it was last year, though, and I'll take that. I, it's, I guess, and, a step in the right direction. But Deshaun Watson, um, I've got some bad news for you, buddy. Um, you're still going to get hit a lot this year. Oh, no question, 100%. Yeah. There's far less than last year, though. And the fact that he was able Baby to go steps. <laughs> 11 and five last year with how much he was sacked yeah. is, is impressive. And he's only going to get better. He's only going to understand the offense more. He's only going to 
have more time. His receiver depth has improved with the addition of Kenny Stills. Hopefully the reemergence. Not a deep of wide Fuller. receiver room, though. It's only like five or six guys it, total. I mean, look, Kenny Stills was the number one receiver in I like Miami Stills. before mm-hmm. he left. I like Kenny Stills as a wide receiver three. Especially just a as a backup um, for Will Fuller when he inevitably misses nine games this year. Like you have Kenny exactly. Stills waiting it, in the wings. Yeah. So I'm like, that's the thing is the Texans are making moves to win this year and they're not looking for the future. And the thing is, the reason why Clowney was able to go for virtually nothing is because Bill O'Brien knew what he was getting from Miami. So he's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just give Clowney to the highest bidder and you know, hopefully quickly because the roster cuts are, are today and I need to be able to add the people that I'm getting from Seattle onto the 53. I need to make sure I'm getting the people on from Miami onto the 53. I think we added, what, it was like six players that weren't on our training camp roster mm. on Saturday. Sounds which was great. Ridiculous. Carlos Hyde as well. Yeah. Who was also going to get cut. They traded England. for him, by the way. They traded for somebody who was oh, about yeah. to get cut. So that was another another great one in the Bill O'Brien yeah. uh, GM um, bucket. But that's the thing is Bill O'Brien is, and that, that that's a big reason why head coaches are usually not GMs, at least in the, at least in, you know, most teams that perform well. Yeah. Uh, that's my personal opinion. I mean, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head how many head coaches are also their GMs, but if you look at just sports in general, majority of teams in all of the major sports leagues have a GM. And it's not the head coach because there's a conflict of interest there. Because what Bill O'Brien did for himself, the best interest of Bill O'Brien, might not necessarily be in the best interest of the Houston Texans. Yeah. Yes, he was able to push his agenda for this year, but the thing is, if the Texans go in and they strike out and they go six and ten, like which is very possible. I don't Texans, think it's possible if Deshaun Watson seen... plays like fourteen games. Like he went eleven and five right, with a but... terrible offensive line last year, and I I don't know. It's really hard for me to see Deshaun That's Watson have a bad season if he's on the field. No, it's the beauty of Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson will put us in. It will put Houston in every game. Right. Possible. Like. We, we have a chance to win every game because Deshaun Watson is mm-hmm. on the field. The Texans did not lose a game by more than a score last year until the playoffs. Hmm. They, they lost five games, but they were all by less than one score. So, like, just, like that team was 11-5, and five, but they easily could have been 12-4, and 13-3. They had some winnable games that they lost. They lost to the Colts at home uh, late in the regular season. They lost to the Eagles in Philadelphia in a game they probably should have won. So, like, there, there were chances there to to be the number one seed and it just fell through their their hand they have a better team this year i think than they did last year at least on the offensive side of say, yeah. sure. that offensive line is very improved especially on the left side with tunsil and titus howard who i'm really high on at left guard but that's so that's the thing is the texans are playing for now but if the texans don't win now it's all for nothing and they're going to go into a very long you know, time period where they are, you know, complacent, mediocre, and not in contention because Bill O'Brien screwed their whole future up for the next two years. So Bill O'Brien is really banking on this year to be the year. And if this year isn't the year, his ass is on the line and the whole staff is going to get fired and it's going to be a whole, whole change of alignment. Because the way I see it is this, the Texans, they're, 
their window to win was for three years from 2019, 2020, 2021, the 2021 being the year that Deshaun Watson gets paid after the season. I don't think so, their, their title hopes just move, go away if Deshaun Watson gets paid. As long as they have him in his prime and he's healthy, I, I just I think their window is as long as he's on this team. That's true, Chase. That's true, Chase. But the way I see it is this also. I can't see J.J. Watt putting on a Texans uniform after 2021 either. Mm, yeah. And that's a big part. That's a big part of the defense. And Whitney Merciless is going to need to get paid. Like, the team. Oh, my God. If they pay Whitney no, Merciless at this point, they don't pay Jadavian Clowney, who was arguably their best defender last year. Whitney I, Merciless. Whitney Merciless. But that's also the thing is Whitney Merciless has been like the unsung hero of the defense the last couple of years. And it's because he's. Clowney's been healthy and on the field. Watt was healthy and on the field last year. So this is going to be a chance for Whitney Merciless to, to shine and to prove, you know, his worth. And, you know, he has nothing to prove to the Texans, but I think he's going to get a chance to prove himself to the rest of the league. And he's going to put his name on notice. I'm really, I'm really excited for what Whitney is going to have this season. But the way I see it though, is the title window was open for three years because it's probably Watts last three years. Deshaun Watson, is on his rookie deal. And that's the, that's the thing is that is the, for the most part, that is the way to win in the NFL. You have a rookie quarterback, so you can pay your outside position. Look at the Eagles, Carson Wentz, rookie contract that was able to pay, you know, several positions outside of quarterback. Uh, the Rams made it to the Super Bowl because they had a rookie quarterback and they were able to overpay. They got Dominic Sue there. They got Andrew Whitworth. They were able to, you know, pay several positions. And you look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are in a really good spot because they have a rookie quarterback deal right now. But once they're gone, once they have to pay their quarterback, then that's when the rest of the team's depth starts to shrink a little bit. Absolutely, but that's that's why you only pay the elite top 10 guys. Like Russell Wilson getting paid didn't hurt the Seahawks at all. They're still a contender in the NFC. They could still win the Super Bowl this year. Like they're still very much in that conversation. But they were in far better shape when he was on a rookie deal. They won. Sure a Super Bowl and went to another because they were able to pay the defense. They were able to invest more in the defense because they had a solid rookie quarterback or a Absolutely. Rookie field quarterback. Excuse me. But so that, that's the way I see it is, but now that O'Brien traded three of their top four picks in 2020 and 2021, that window almost shrinks to right now. And it, it, this year, if the Texans don't win it this year, this is their best chance to win a, uh, a Super Bowl. And the thing is, I still don't think they can hold a candle to Kansas City, to New England. I still think the Chargers are a better team. Oh, I don't uh, think the Chargers are making the playoffs you know, this year. Like, really? No. It's bad omen. Derwin James well, I, injury, I mean, the Russell O'Kung stuff. I, a lot of bad juju. True. What they want from Melvin Gordon. I, I don't... There's a lot of red flags. Um, and, now they're the team with the most problems. Texans are passing on the problems. Yeah. But, I mean, I, the thing is, though, is the Texans are still in a tier far below Kansas City and New England. I, there, yeah. There's I no, mean, I would probably put I, Pittsburgh. I, argue, I would put Pittsburgh yeah, above them. Pittsburgh, would, Pittsburgh's probably better maybe than Maybe Cleveland. I, you can argue Cleveland, exactly. And, um, you know, I don't think you can necessarily make a, a strong case. I mean, I can listen for any of the AFC South teams. I do think the Texans are the best team in the AFC South. But the thing is, it's only going to take about nine wins to win the AFC South this year. Yeah. And the Texans could easily get that. Right. But also, the Texans' schedule this year, they have a first-place schedule. It's a lot harder than it was last year. I think I want to say last year they had the easiest schedule in the NFL. Hmm. This year, it's, I think, in the top five for hardest schedules. 
I think they're one of the two teams that has to play both Kansas City and New England. Hmm. It's Houston and Baltimore have to play. Have you looked at Tampa Bay's schedule? Like the, I was talking to Trevor Sikama last week, a Peter report. I didn't realize how bad it was. And like that, the the league office actually apologized about the schedule. (laughs) That's always a good sign for your season. Um, Well, yeah, Tampa, well, Tampa has to play. They're not home for like two months. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's brutal. They, they lost a home game to London. Like it's just, it's, it's a brutal, brutal schedule for Bruce Arians in year one. Um, can I ask yeah. you about Laramie Tunsil's actual fit in Bill O'Brien's scheme? It, like, no one's talking about the actual schematic fit. Does it even matter just because he's a big body and he's better than whatever they had before him? But, um, and have they even decided who's calling plays? Because I've heard back and forth on, like, it was still undecided. Is Tim Kelly calling it or no? I, the last time I heard it was Tim Kelly. Okay. Um, but also Tim Kelly wasn't the offensive coordinator last year, so things might be a little different. Or they might, they might have to, uh, experiment with different possibilities. O'Brien, for the most part, has called his plays for majority of his time in Houston. Mm-hmm. There was a time when George know, was quarterback coach and yeah, there was a time when it was George Godsey and then and then they decided to move in a different direction with that. Um but look the thing is usually the Texans are a run first team. But this year it's difficult to tell whether they will be or not because they don't have Lamar Miller. And that is the biggest, like, this team has so many question marks on it. There really is. There's, like, Duke Johnson's brand new. Carlos Hyde's brand new. You have no, Kenny Stills' brand new. Like, there's so many pieces on the offensive side of the ball that were not there a year ago. So there isn't, like, there isn't the tape, which could be a good thing. But also, um, you you never, you don't know if it's going to work or not. So we don't know who's going to call the plays. Um, it could work that Tim Kelly and, Deshaun Watson have some kind of connection and they, it works better for them. Or maybe O'Brien, you know, wants to be a control freak and he calls the plays, which I'm leaning towards that option versus the Kelly option. But this, it's just, there's so many question marks and that's why I'm so excited for the season to get all these questions answered, to see how it goes. And it's the thing is about the Texans is we get very little national coverage because we are the newest NFL franchise and we do live in the same state as the Dallas Cowboys. So to see the Texans all over the news and, you know, making national headlines for so many different reasons, both good and bad, it's been a little surreal. Um, but it's, it's exciting nonetheless. And football's back chase and nobody's happier than I am right now. Um, I love that Bill O'Brien is still just saying that like they're building through the draft and, uh nothing is supporting that um i I just yeah we're building through the draft we're trading draft picks yes during his tenure houston (laughs) has now traded away their first round pick three times prior to the draft and their second rounder twice and this guy is out here saying as of like a week ago they're building through the draft and they have a plan i I just love this kind of stuff where it's like bill o'brien we had we had the receipts what are you talking about we know this is not true what are you doing man we we can look this up i mean yeah, and th- that's the thing is, they they used to, there was like a period of time where their first round pick was um, was they always hit on their first round pick. It went from like 2008 to 2016 or something like that. There was a time when all of those first round picks were on the team at once. Yeah, I want to say it was either Will Fuller's rookie year or it might have even been Deshaun Watson's rookie year. Where all it was when Dwayne Brown, it was from Dwayne Brown onwards. 
Like they have, they have good luck in the first round. Um, it, Dwayne Brown was a first round pick. He was on the team for, you know, eight, nine years. Um, JJ Watt was a first round pick. Whitney Merciless was a first round pick. Um, Brian Cushing was the first round pick was there for a while. Um, Will Fuller, a first round pick. I'd say he was a success. Um, they had so many guys that were in really good spot in, in recent years, it's been a bit of a different story. Uh, Kevin Johnson didn't pan out, was cut by the team uh, earlier in the offseason. So, and now they're not going to have any first-round picks. So it's like... They don't pick to the third round next year. Which is was the case in 20... Uh, in 2017. Oh, probably. and why 20, was that? Why was that? Yeah. Can we talk about because our guy, Brock, Brock Osweiler? Just what they had to because give up to get rid of him and all the draft capital they lost just by trading him. And also, Bill O'Brien was the one who wanted him. And, like, I love the tape, like, the tale of the tape of, like, they were at a joint Broncos practice. And that's, like, how they became enamored with Brock Osweiler. And that's why that whole mm-hmm. thing happened with Rick Smith and them. But um, it seems like a lot of this is Brock Osweiler's fault, too. Because um, if you had those picks, maybe oh, you addressed the left tackle situation before now. Was a great scapegoat. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it is it, when you mess you up. Blame when you anyone? Invest blame like Lock, that, Brock Osweiler. Yeah, who's still getting them checks, by the way. So shout out to him for keeping the dream. I alive. will say though, Brock Osweiler quarterbacked a uh, divisional game against the Patriots, where the Texans had a lead yes, at one point. I remember this game. So, I, that was in New England, there was a, right? There was a thing that happened. It was in New England. Yeah. Uh, the last time, I think it was the last time the Texans were in the playoffs for this year. Um, but it's great. Like you should look at who has a win at quarterback. Uh, for the Texans in their history, it's it's a pretty wild list that T.J. Yates. It's 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 commis- It's consisted of people. Exact T.J. Yates. He's also a, he's an offensive assistant for the Texans now. Of course, which is he is. Crazy how <laughs> that worked out. He he is Mister Texan. That's T.J. Yates is a fan favorite down here for sure. He he had like four different stints for the Texans, and it started in like five or six different seasons. It's crazy. I want to wrap up with a positive. Um. We haven't talked about this guy yet, but he's like my most exciting person, especially with Jadavian Clowney exiting the roster. Um, Justin Reed, they nailed that one. I think Deshaun Watson in the last five years obviously is the number one hit, but I think the number two hit looks like it's going to be Justin Reed. Um, In week seven through 13, Reed had a 89.4 overall grade, an 89 coverage grade, both of which were third best among qualifying safeties. A lot of his stats were kind of identical to Derwin James, who got all the publicity and all the the love, and he deserved it. Derwin James, the monster, get well soon. But Justin Reed, he had this great pick six uh, against the Redskins from the end zone. He he's one of my favorite plays from last year. Yeah, he's just a ball hawk. He's someone who just knows where to go. He's a great tackler. He never really misses any tackles. He's I, I just folks, hear me out. NFL GMs, um, you're gonna want to jot this down. You should always draft Stanford defensive backs. If one becomes available and you're picking and you need a cornerback or a safety, go ahead and take the Stanford kid. Pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good return rate there. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. You, you mentioned how we didn't have a first round pick in 2018, but who was the first pick that we picked that year? Justin Reed. Yeah. He should have been a first round pick. I don't know how and he was. Mark my words, Chase. Mark my words, Chase. I will say it right here. I will say this very confidently. It is September 5th, or what is it? September 3rd? September 3rd. September Skipping 3rd. days. Yeah, it is. Yeah, September 3rd is the date. Before week one, I am going to say this on your podcast for all your listeners. Justin Reed 
will be a Pro Bowl safety this season. Hmm. Yeah, I, I Who's he up totally against? Believe Who are it. the other big AFC safeties? Derwin's out now. We got to think about it. I can yeah, see it. Derwin James is out. Um, and the thing is, it, I think the reason why Reed wasn't a Pro Bowl safety last year is because before the season began, he wasn't even a starter. And he worked his way into the starting lineup because he's just that good. And I think that part of the excitement with him is that he got really good really quickly and much quicker than anyone really expected. So that's why Justin, but now Justin Reed is a full off season where he's absolutely the number one safety without question on our roster. And he's working with Sean Gibson, who I really like. I think that's one of my favorite free agent signings that the Texans made over the off season. And they're going to work to create a very formidable secondary that, um, was a problem for the Texans a year ago. Um, but Justin Reed was the bright spot. And I'm hoping that, you know, with the addition of him, hopefully Bradley Roby pans out to, you know, be what he was signed on to be a $10 million corner. Uh, Jonathan Joseph plays a little bit better than he had last year. Cor- the, the secondary is going to be a big, uh, big point of interest for the Texans this year. If, if the secondary is not up to standard, the team will perform to its highest potential. They won't make it to potentially the conference championship late in the divisional round and the offensive line. Of course, the it's the safe, it's the, it's the corners and the offensive line. They improve the offensive line. They improve the secondary. So hopefully the results will show. And if they do, the Texans could see themselves playing late into January, but if not, Bill O'Brien's going to be without a job and the Texans are going to be without a future. And nobody wins at the end of the day. Give me your your final prediction on how the season unfolds for for Houston. Um, Texans go either nine and seven or ten and six. Mm. Um, they look the, the the media will call them the worst division winner, um, but they'll make the playoffs as a division winner. Um, and they they lose in round one. I actually think it's going to be exactly how it was last year. It's crazy how things you know always come about but it always ends up in the same result i just don't think that texans are in the top four in the afc i but also it's just how many games does hopkins and uh and watson play if they play 16 games i just i don't see how this team doesn't win the division people are talking themselves into the colts and everything like colts will be good but i just if deshaun watson's healthy and he's playing 16 games i just I don't think they can lose that division. And then the Jaguars Titan stuff is just, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, all right. Well that, uh, I think that does it. Um, I, I don't know. I think that's, that's good. Jeremy, is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner, J E R E M Y B R E N E R. Follow battle red blog for all Texans content on espionation.com battleredblog.com. Uh, Chase, you're uh, grinding real hard. I respect the crap out of you for that. Um, as someone who is in a similar position as you are, uh, keep grinding, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And uh, yeah, I hope to be back soon. Oh my God. Unbelievable. I love it. Just all kinds yeah. of pep talk and optimism and just great comments. So that's great. I appreciate it, Jeremy, and you will be back soon. All right. Thanks, Chase. Appreciate it.
right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by Evan Sowards of 49ers Hub. Evan, good evening, good afternoon, really, where you are in LA. Um, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Good. Excited, right? You can feel it. Football's almost here. Yeah, and it actually is here because one of the things that I very much loathed over the last month was all the different football's back when talking about preseason and the hall of fame game it's like football is here and it's like no no it's not <laughs> this is not what football is and this is not here we still have another month to go um so i'm glad that that's actually over and we can actually speak about uh football being back in an honest fashion yeah i know there's always like 16 different versions of we got football baby it's ridiculous can we stop this i mean it looks like preseason's going to get chopped down pretty soon so that's nice but if that means um expanding the playoffs into um eight teams in each league then uh, i'm adamantly opposed so it's just like uh, the nfl giveth the nfl taketh away i think it it was i mean just to your point i think that honestly like i've never liked the idea of changing things but when someone said get rid of two preseason preseason games and do you know team practices with other teams like i like that that makes sense yeah just don't mess with the playoffs the playoffs are fine find me one person who's like you know what the nfl should change the playoff format that needs to change who's complaining about that well the people that think they can make more money maybe i don't know I guess. I mean, yeah, it makes more sense for the owners because they're like, oh, this is more playoff revenue at the gate, I guess. But, uh, okay. Yeah, everything's about green. Neither Um, here nor there. (laughs) But we are going to be talking about the NFC this week, uh, a conference that you and I are very familiar with, 49ers and Falcons. But instead of just doing a team-by-team, really granular um, look at what each team is doing, that so many other podcasts are doing and so many uh, other football people are doing. I don't want to do that. And I don't, it's not my style. It's not the kind of podcast I do. So instead I'm going to posit a question to you about your two divisions and you'll posit a question to me um, on my two, two divisions. I have the NFC South and the NFC East. You have the NFC West and the NFC North. So I think we have to just start with your team and the NFC West and that is the San Francisco 49ers, who um, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of people are talking about his preseason and um, overreacting to each week's uh, slate of games. But my question is actually about the defense, because I'm not really worried about Kyle Shanahan, my Lord and Savior, and that offense. Like, that's not something I'm really concerned about that much right now. Um, my question to you is, did the 49ers do enough this offseason to fix the pass rush and get the defense in a position to be better than 23rd in defensive DVOA in 2019? I, I, I think I don't know that my excitement or my enthusiasm can really truly answer that in the way that I wish, but absolutely. And I mean that. Like when you watch the last two years and you watch the 49ers play, um, especially last year, and we'll get into that a little bit further, but you look at DeForest Buckner. One man wrecking crew, uh, easily one of the most overrated guys in the NFL. Uh, you know, I I saw sign, finally the other day a, uh, I think it was, oh man, I can't remember. Might have been John Owing, uh, the Cowboys guy, or might have been uh, the offensive line guru. But they were just talking about the D line in general, and you know, obviously Aaron Donald since number one, uh, but they had Buckner rated third, and I think that's really the kind of appreciation a guy like that deserves. But going to my point, DeForest Buckner has been by himself on an island for the last couple of years, ever since he got drafted. And he's 
clearly the best player on the defense at any given point. But when you have no one else around you, it's just it's hard to make that happen. Last year, uh, you know, if you're not familiar, Cassius Marsh, who was a uh, Seahawks and then Patriots uh, kind of uh, cut, if you will, I'll say it nicely, was uh, the 49ers starting edge rusher. Uh, and then on the other side was Ronald Blair. These are two guys that just should not be starting at edge. Um, and, and with that, you know, Buckner just played great, but it just, to what point, like, you know, he was the only guy really getting to the quarterback 11 sacks and, and it was just, it seemed so like use, you know, it was just like, it was just so sad to watch. He's such a good, exciting player, but to this year, you add uh, PFF's highest graded edge rusher in D Ford, uh, one of the best edge rushers last year. Uh, you know, amazing. Had what like 13 sacks, uh, and then on top of that, you you get the maybe what people consider the number one overall player in the entire draft. Uh, you get Nick Bosa considered to be the better of the two Bosas, an absolute perfect fit for D Ford, and to book in that defense. So. You know, trying, trying to wrap this up on a little bow. I think when you have a defense that now has D Ford, one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, a rookie that's just obviously going to come out and be a monster um, in Nick Bosa. And then on top of that, you now have Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas from last year, uh, both high picks who – just, you know, once again, they were they were trying to bring him outside to rush the passer. They didn't really know where to put him. Uh, but I think with Ford and Bosa now, you know where these guys go. And everyone can be in position correctly and everyone can disrupt. And I think the more important thing is that this defense is now finally going to disrupt the passer in a way that's not going to allow people to do what they want to do. Last year for the cornerbacks and the defensive backs, the safeties, you saw that Richard Sherman was doing his thing. He actually had a very good year with the 49ers. We were pretty happy to see what he did. Um, <clears throat> but they realized really early they could throw to Akella Witherspoon. And they had all the time in the world because it was only to force Buckner rushing. So I think when you add those two uh, you know, edge rushers, um, it's going to change the game entirely. And I think you're going to see what I truly believe. I think the 49ers will have the greatest defense in the NFL next year. Oh, my God. You waited till the end to drop the bomb. I'm, I'm serious, too. I'm serious. I've watched the this greatest defense, defense yeah. in the NFL. But let me explain it. Let me let me explain it. I'm here for this. Uh-huh. Buckner is that good. And I know he's going to consider and th- obviously th- this means no injuries. Um but they've had no pass rush literally since Alden and Justin Smith. I mean literally mm. they've had absolutely zero edge rushers uh at defensive ends. It just they have had none. It's been some of the worst pass rushing in the NFL for a very consistent time. Uh, you know, Eric Armstead has, who people were, you know, saying wasn't really great, played great last year, was a, one of the more strong players on the team. Solomon Thomas has had a lot of sad things happen in his life. And, it, you know, obviously there's the whole mental health thing, uh, but he clearly states himself he's in the best mental state he's been in a very long time. He's very happy now. He feels like he's in the best shape of his life. So you have – I think they're going to be the most dominant defensive line, period. I don't, I don't even think that's hard to argue. That's five first-round picks. It's really not that hard. And then on top of that, 
where they were able to pick on Akello Witherspoon last year. Akello and Jason Verrett, who obviously needs to stay healthy, will be able to kind of bounce back and forth while Sherman continues to lock that down. He himself said he feels he's in the best shape that he's been in a long time. He feels like he's back to the Legion of Boom shape. So if you have an entire defensive line destroying people, not letting the quarterback get that three-step, five-step drop, spending five seconds running around like Russell Wilson does, like Kyler Murray does, I just don't think people are going to have those opportunities. Interesting. Okay. I was not ready for this, but um, that's good for them because I think ultimately this offense – People can worry about the ACL and Jimmy Garoppolo a lot, but I, I still like this offensive line a lot. I think this wide receiver group is going to be better than last year. I think the Jarrett McKinnon stuff just sucks. It but does. This is why you signed Tevin Coleman. This is why you have a uh, Matt Breda. This is why you have a, a rotation of running backs because these kind of things happen and they're more protected than they were a year ago. I just, I'm not at all worried about um, the 49ers on the offensive side of the ball i'm not worried about i, I know you tweeted this out about uh dante pettis and like the, the kind of coaching uh he's getting right now but i'm just i'm not concerned like this this offense is going to be good enough it's more about how does this pass rush look with these new toys and how much does that help the secondary because we're going to see the opposite in houston where they had this top 10 defense they were the number one pass um run defense in the nfl last year and they traded Jadavian Clowney for nothing, and it's a lot more pressure on Whitney Merciless and uh, Barkevius Mingo might now get in the rotation. You look at that back four, and Justin Reed, another Stanford product, who just those guys just grow on trees and are just always awesome, it seems like, um, was great in elite safety, but it's a lot more pressure when you don't have that pass rush. And um, I think the 49ers secondary is going to benefit a lot from that this year. So I, one I was light, not expecting One last that. thing. One mm-hmm. last thing. When the 49ers, and I, and I mean, I know I'm going to sound crazy, but when the 49ers in 2011 had Justin Smith and Alden Smith, Alden Smith in his rookie year, where he almost broke the sack total uh, behind J.J. Watt, um, they signed Carlos Rogers, right? Dante Whitner. These were guys that were considered to be no good, got cut, uh, you know, Whitner coming from the Bills, Bills fans were notorious for talking a bunch of trash about how Whitner was no good, right? These guys were not considered very high-value free agent signings. They both ended up going to the Pro Bowl that year. And the reason why is because Alden Smith and Justin Smith were making things easy for them. So I'm seeing 2011 all over again. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, All right, what is your question for me? Where are we going? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, I think it's safe to talk. I want to go to your division, mm-hmm. right? I think you guys have a very competitive division this year, right? So what I want to know specifically, first and foremost, let's talk about your Falcons. There was a lot of talk about Kyle Shanahan leaving and the offense maybe sputtering. I don't think we saw that this year. What do you think is going to be the new breakout story for the Atlanta Falcons in the 2019 season? I think Matt Ryan's going to lead the league in passing yards. That's a, that's a, is that really that hot of a take, though? I think he's going to throw over 5,000. Like I don't think Atlanta fans are – I think we'll get rid of the halfback dive to having Coleman up the middle for two yards <laughs> yeah. every other every other drive. Won't miss that. Won't we miss the that. Calvin Ridley end of rounds that uh, never actually went anywhere. Um 
I think there's a weird thing going on with Mohamed Sanu, like with the Julio contract, and he's going to get. It looks like he's going to get paid before the season gets started and become the the highest paid receiver in football for a brief amount of time. But I. So one of the dumbest things I've seen, uh, and this is uh, just different teams where like the Texans have solved it by tra- trading for Laramie Tunsil. And it's like teams, just because you added things doesn't mean the problem is fixed. It just means you threw other opportunities to fix the problem. McGarity and Lindstrom are possibilities to fix the problem, but there is so much heat on this group on the rotation that they are going to be running out with Jamin Brown and James Carpenter. Um, Alex Mack is a year older. Jake Matthews has to stay healthy. That offensive line is not fixed. James Carpenter and Jamin Brown were not good. And rookie offensive linemen don't grade well. Like, it takes year two and year three when you see the blip. Like, um, Ty Schalter of Bleach Report from 2016, I want to say, had this whole great piece about um, which kind of rookies do the best and how they develop and, like, what's the timeline. And offensive line, it takes at least a year. Like, most are not good their rookie year. And guess what? The Falcons have to make the playoffs for these guys to keep their jobs like quinn is calling the defense he relieved mark Juan manual the of his duties and he's already done that before with smith from a couple years ago they went on the super bowl run great however i i just they're putting a lot of cards in mcgarity who's already having like a weird heart thing and he's been gone and he looks okay now but like putting him and lindstrom on that right hand side and matt ryan got beat up a lot in the preseason already and he's probably in a little bit too much i i'm concerned that they're going to be doing a lot of long developing routes a lot of stuff downfield and matt ryan is going to get hit a lot he's going to pass a lot and i I don't think the offensive line's fixed i think this offensive line just has to get somewhere in the middle i don't think they can get there i think they're like one of the bottom 10 offensive lines of football and a lot of it is because i don't think these rookie offensive linemen on the right hand side are the answer i I read about trent williams of like why i would just do whatever it takes to get him even tunsil like whatever do whatever you got to do because this team is even more than the texans are in a win now mode you've paid matt ryan you're paying julio jones you've already made the bad payment in Devonte freeman like you might as well just keep throwing shit at the wall but like i'm more comfortable in bringing in a veteran who can actually contribute right now than drafting rookie offensive linemen to anchor an offensive line that has to be good enough to keep to get to have everyone keep their jobs i I'm very much concerned about how that's going to look and how many times Matt Ryan's going to hit because they open the season tough games. Minnesota top ten defense. It's a good good pass rush, good team. Um, you got Philly on the horizon. You got a lot of a lot of good pass rushers and a lot of good teams. And we're going to learn a lot about the Falcons. I think in the first three weeks of the season. I just I have serious concerns about that group, but I also think Matt Ryan's going to have like a career year. It's it's very weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing that I definitely think was good for the Falcons is they had a really good year last year. And I think a lot of the issues you worried seeing Kyle Shanahan left leaving were kind of put to qualms. I think people are excited for this year, so it should be fun to watch. I think their over under is like eight and a half. I, I don't know. I, just, I like I them at more than that. I think more okay. than eight and a half. I think, I think 10 wins would be a very happy uh, Falcons season. Yeah um but this is a tough division so we'll we'll have to see but it, it does help that cam newton's like changing his his entire like offseason plan and the way he's throwing and everything and then you look at tampa bay and they're just 
ridiculous schedule. I don't know if you've taken a gander at Tempe's schedule and then being away from home for like 40 something days and like losing a home game to London and just all kinds of nonsense. Like they got completely screwed on their schedule. But um, all right, my next question, NFC West. We're going to stick in the NFC West. So the Seahawks are a run first team now. Brian Schottenheimer has imposed his will on this offense. This is his identity. This is what he wants with his gigantic Jesus chain. This is absolutely the Brian Schottenheimer special now. But with the departure of Doug Baldwin, that wide receiver rim, if you look at that, and a lot of this comes down to DK Metcalf and stuff, but is this too thin of a wide receiver group? And you can include tight ends here for Wilson to really make something out of nothing come playoff time. Because we saw what happened in the Cowboys game where it just, they didn't let him do Russell Wilson stuff, but when they do, you've got to have playmakers for him. And I like curse or Tyler Lockett, excuse me, but I don't know if that's enough. And I, I just, I have real concerns. What do you think? Well, so, okay. I mean, you got to understand as a 49ers fan, I know this team, you know, very intimately, um, I feel very confident when I say this, there is, and never will be for the rest of Russell, Russell Wilson's career, a time in which I will doubt Russell Wilson. I, I cannot do it. I've seen it too many times, especially when it comes to receivers. I have seen Russell Wilson create just, you know, amazing receivers that had no business being that good. Doug Baldwin was a, you know, undrafted free agent, um, Javon Curse got a massive contract and then obviously hasn't has had some injury injury issues and done not much since. Um, time and time again, they make superstars out of their receivers because of Russell Wilson and his ability to create plays and trusting receivers, which I think is super important that you don't see a lot in the NFL right now. Rus- Russell Wilson will put that ball in the hand of anyone and they just they they catch it. So I think it really, like you said, it's very dependent on DK Metcalf. DK to me is a, an absolute nightmare for the Seahawks as a 49ers fan. You know, he's got all these untangibles. He's an absolute freak athlete. I mean, not from like a, you know, cuddle or excuse me, shuttle run and three cone drill standpoint. He did pretty poorly there. But just from a, you know, strength and speed, uh, you know, he's the exact guy you don't want Russell Wilson to have. So got to look at his health. Does he play week one? What does it look like? Um, but yeah, I just, you just don't ever doubt Russell Wilson. Yeah. And reading field goals and stuff like that. I look at like the hype now with Mike Turner and I mean, the more breaking his arm, that wasn't good. And it just goes back to how much you believe in Russell Wilson, but TK Metcalf listed as a starter in week one. So I'm interested to see how this team looks. I'm interested to see, um what this offense does um with another year of Schottenheimer I I don't know like we we know this defense is gonna be good and Davian Clowney being there is gonna help things it turns out folks um I think uh they'll be okay on that front all right where are we going next yeah I mean so I'm a 49ers fan as I've said 600 times so far they do play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week one I don't want you to trash the Bucks, as you know. We are both big fans of Trevor Sycamore, who was over there, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, with the Draft Network and Pewter Report. But I want to talk about what are the biggest things the 49ers should worry about going into Week One. How do the 49ers lose this game? So 
the 49ers, or, or the, excuse me, the 49ers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team that made a lot of strides um, defensively, where like Jason Pierre-Paul and Trevor Sigma, great friend of the pod, as you discussed, outlined kind of his new role as this like rover back. He's kind of going to be in like a Davian Clowney type deal. But in this game against the 49ers, I'm looking at, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo is his first start post ACL injury. He hasn't played in a very long time now. They are actually, if Vita Vea is good, and they losing McCoy, it, it hurts a little bit, but if they are able to get a pass rush, if Devin White, this new, the the, the other Devin, Devin Bush in uh, Pittsburgh, I, I've gotten them mixed up at least like 45 times this offseason, but Devin White is, by all accounts, going to be a great line, middle linebacker, the guy who's going to be calling so Todd Bowles' defense. Like, that's a huge upgrade. Um, Their secondary really concerns me. But this is the team you want to be playing if you're worried about your secondary in week one because there's still a lot of question marks at wide receiver for this 49ers team. And that's a good thing if you're a Bucks fan. And you look at this defense where you're like, okay, yes, they've got a lot of great pass rushers and the Bucks have a very questionable offensive line. Like their biggest weakness, I think, is O-line. Um, you could also say corner just because a lot of uh, availability concerns at the cornerback corner spot. Um could be a problem but i'm more concerned about what bosa and and friends just do against this front because i think they're gonna have a field day. i think Jameis is going to get hit a lot and Jameis is gonna have to pass a lot but i do think they have more of a balanced identity it looks like peyton barber and friends are and ronald jones are going to split time it looks like bruce arians is going to be a little bit better about finding the right kind of balance for Jameis, where he's just not throw 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 like Dirk Cutter was doing where he's doing a little bit more easy things like little split outs to I, I it just seemed like Ronald Jones was just in the under the wrong coach um last year with, with Dirk Cutter but I I'm making the case I, I'm not picking the Bucks to win this game I just think the 49ers are a better team but I think this pass rush will be good and I think they'll get to Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm excited to see what Jimmy does with a good pass rush in front of him in week one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I feel bad for JPP as a whole, but I'm very glad that JPP will not be playing against the 49ers. No. And I think that changes things a little bit, but if he were available and I mean, he will be available at some point. I just, I like that group. And I think a lot of people just looked at, Oh, they don't have, um, they don't have, uh, Gerald McCoy anymore, but guess oh. what? They signed oh. Dom and Sue. Like <laughs> Sue is still on this roster, and Vita Vea played well down the stretch last year. And if he's healthy and you're able to get JPB back, I I like the Shaquille Barrett signing. I I don't know. I think this team has the pieces if Vernon Hargraves can stay on the field. We gotta uh, we 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 have to do an emergency emergency. Oh my gosh, Adam Schefter reports. Compensation update for the Rams and Jared Goff. Jared Goff is going to get a four-year, $134 million extension that includes an NFL record $110 million guaranteed dollars. Yikes. Yikes. $110 million guaranteed for the guy that just got smacked around in in the Super Bowl. Quick, what are your thoughts? We could just roll this straight into the Rams. Yeah, like what? I mean, what do you even do? I, I this is like the new thing where it's like he went to the Super Bowl. It's like a weird Flacco type thing, except he didn't win. But 
I mean, I guess you're not, I, you, you have to do this. Like every team just has to do this. And he was, if, if you look at all these different measures, he was a top 10 quarterback last year and people are like, well, he's a system guy. Is he someone that, um, just flourished because he was in there, but he made some big time throws and his work with that three receiver group, that 11 personnel that the Rams, if you look at football outsiders stats is like, they ran the same sets more than any other team in football last year. And that was going to, this kind of leads into my question for you about the Rams, but I I'm not surprised like if golf getting paid, I, I think this makes the Dak stuff more interesting. Um, depending on how you feel about Dak and Jared Goff, but Jared Goff, I think was legitimately good last year. Like out of the guys who've gotten paid recently, like I would rather pay Jared Goff than Kirk cousins. I would oh, rather pay Jared Goff than Dak. For instance, I would rather pay him. <sighs> Who's another good one that just got paid. I would, that... I would rather have paid. I mean, just to your point, I would have rather paid Goff than Flacco after the Flacco Super Bowl win. I'll yeah. give you that. I think this is fine. I think the bigger concern with the Rams is paying Todd Gurley. That I feel like is going to bite them in the ass because I really think this stuff happens so quickly. And if you were to tell me Daryl Henderson gets more carries than Todd Gurley this year, I would I would say that's pretty likely. I think well, it's going to be a really sad drop from like MVP to oh my god, he's probably out of the league in two years, or hot he's going to be bouncing around. Let me real quick, just to your point, are the Rams giving this money to Jared Goff right now so that they can then maybe say, sorry, Gurley, there's nothing left? There's no money. Sorry, man. Yeah. Knowing, knowing full well that obviously Todd Gurley might have some issue with his knee. Some issue. He has arthritis in like both of his knees. Yeah. I mean, people come back from ACL tears pretty quickly. Not so. ACL, arthritis. This is getting worse. Like every hit's going to, like he was not the same back down the stretch last year. Yeah, I don't, I don't see know. how he gets better. I'm very interested to see what happens. I think we're going to have to at least see the first like four to four to eight games before we can really tell. But like, gosh, $110 million guaranteed for any quarterback is just, it's a lot. That's more defensible to me because I really do think he has potential to be a top 10 quarterback in this league consistently, especially well, as long as you have him with McVay and McVay is with this group and Wade Phillips is still calling that defense. Like they're going to be a contender. So I, I think this is one that I'm more okay with than other teams. Um, and there's not even the injury risk like that uh, Philadelphia has giving Carson once what he got. Like it's not, it's a lot of money, but it's a quarterback and he was really good last year. He has a good rapport with those three receivers um gerald everett should be good this year um but this actually leads me to my question can the rams continue to thrive off the 11 personnel that they ran just over and over again last year with um before uh, cooper cup went down it became reynolds but it was cooper cup brandon cooks and robert woods so when those you- three were on the field together they murdered people but now there's more tape but i go back to does it matter if Cooper Cup is able to catch anything is thrown his way? If Robert Woods is still an elite receiver and if Brandon Cooks doesn't lose a step, does it matter if the defenses know what's coming? If those three are still able to get separation and bring in balls? I don't think so. And I think it's the same thing with Kyle Shanahan. It's not like, you know, the it's not like these two coaches are just sitting there back there choosing between, uh, you know, the bomb and hail Mary. Like we're playing NFL blitz. Like, the whole point of what they're doing, the whole reason they're so good is they are good at getting receivers open in spite of good defenses. Now, that was the one thing that was super interesting to me last year. Now, obviously, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. 
So it's like you're going against the best. Maybe it doesn't work as well. But like the whole point of these guys, the reason why you know Jared Goff was so good, the reason why Marquise Goodwin had a, almost a thousand year, uh, yard year, the reason why uh, George Kittle had 1,377 yards last year, breaking the all-time record of any tight end ever in his second year, is because these guys get people open. So I don't think it matters. I do think Cooper Cup coming back is going to be very important for that team. He's a very sure-handed receiver that moves the chains, which is obviously super important. Um, I just – I think Jared Goff will always be good enough, and obviously he shows that last year. Uh, I'm just – I'm interested to see how much – if they get better because they did really well last, last year. Do they get better or do they get worse? I think they get better. And another big thing with the Rams for me is Whitworth came back and he might have retired, but that offensive line still top 10 in football. I'm not worried about losing Sue. You stare over Aaron Donald. Wade Phillips is still going to get a top 10 defense out of them. I have concerns about the secondary. They're pretty thin at linebacker, but linebacker you can be thin at in today's NFL. I, I'm just fascinated to see if they run the same sets, if we still get like 90 plus percent of the same sets for sean mcbay's group or he adjusts i i don't know i i think sometimes it's like make him adjust he didn't have to last year and cooper cup is just he's a he's a freaking nature and robert woods is a legitimate star receiver and i like everett a lot at the tight end spot i just i don't think Gurley's fall from grace will be that impactful um to this rams team especially i, I love daryl henderson who averaged like 10 yards a carry last year at memphis and i think he did the year before that but he's a He's a little bumbling bowling ball of fun, so he, he should be good. And I think the Rams will be fine. Um, all right, where are we going next? Well, so it, I want to leave the best for last. So let's jump into Panthers territory. I think the main thing that You're I'm skipping most... the Saints, by the way. We still have the Saints for me. That's what I'm saying. I want to save the best for last. Oh, you meant... I thought you were saying the Panthers were the best for last. And oh, no, like, no, uh, no. Okay. We'll talk about the Saints <laughs> the last because I do think that they're going to win the division. And I think they could be strong Super Bowl contenders. Uh, but I'm most curious about the Panthers. I think the Panthers, you know, I don't know. I feel like they're in purgatory at all times. I feel like every year they're adding that new fancy receiver. And every year it doesn't matter, you know. Uh, what was the tight end's name that they, they drafted that became a receiver? Funches? Oh, yeah, Devin Funches. You know, they added Devin Funches when everybody thought he was a very exciting receiver, and then he just has been super meh. Uh, you know, they added DJ Moore, and he played well last year. But it's just like, I'm wondering, is it too late? Is the cam window closed? No, because if you looked at that team before he got injured last year, what were they, like 6-1? and one? before he went down and yeah. this team with this group there's still a lot of talent and they're in win now mode so it really depends on cam shoulder i also think they're lucky they didn't get sued by cam newton i don't understand how cam newton was allowed to play football towards the end of last year because he said i can't throw the ball 20 yards downfield why was he out there what is the point if he know if you know his shoulder is so messed up he can't go downfield why are you having your franchise quarterback take these hits and go out there and limit your team anyway? I understand it's Kyle Allen behind him or whoever, but there was no reason for him, especially in today's climate, for him to be on the field down the stretch last year. And that that drove me nuts because we're going to have to see what this looks like because there were real questions about the kind of surgery or what kind of um, injury 
rehab he would have to do. He avoided the more serious thing, but um, as we've seen with Andrew Luck and guys like that, the shoulder is a dangerous thing for quarterbacks to just take a beating with. Um, Curtis Samuel, I, I'm a big believer in. I think he came on a little bit more last year, and I'm actually kind of surprised that Cam Newton and this group have adapted so well to North Turner's scheme because a lot of us were like, uh, I don't know why these teams do this. They bring in a coordinator who wants to change what actually makes this guy good. It's like putting Patrick Mahomes in a West Coast offense, or it's like putting Michael Vick in, I, I don't know, like a, who's a really good archaic mind. I don't know. It's, it, I mean, Russell Wilson. Jimmy Ray. That. Yeah, sure. Like, it's just, it. you're like, what are you doing? Like, this is your, why not play to this person's strengths? And I think Cam has actually done a much better job at adapting to North Turner's scheme than I anticipated. Um, this offensive line, I think, uh, has real questions still. They drafted Greg Little in the second round. They drafted a couple of other guys. Uh, they signed Chris Hogan. I I think Christian McCaffrey is in line for another really big year. Like He's not Alvin Kamarga, but Christian McCaffrey is a really good player, and he can now run between the tackles, and he can catch passes. That I, was hard for me. Did you ever, did you ever read like how much, uh, as a rookie... Is it him coming into the draft and then his rookie year, how much I trashed him? Mm-mm. I, I always thought that McCaffrey was, was like, he's going to be way too small for the NFL. Like, it's not going to translate. And then his first year, obviously, that's exactly what happened. So I'm over here beating my chest like an idiot. Like, I told you guys, you're too small. The sec- <laughs> second year, guy goes Hulk mode, beast mode, just goes absolute nuts. He's getting it- bigger because of you. I, I, I swear he must have been reading it because he just goes absolutely nuts and has a great season and then everyone's in my mentions. I took that L like very willingly. That was good. He had a great year. Let me throw some defensive names. And this is what separates them because I think this is important. I think the Panthers are a better team if Cam Newton's healthy than the Bucks and the Falcons. I think they're the second best team in the NFC South if he's healthy. Gerald McCoy, who they signed, kind of under the radar now for some reason. Don Terry Poe is still there. Kawan Short, who is going to be playing out of position, but he's been incredible since he's been in Carolina. You have Shaq Thompson. Luke Keekley is still there. Brian Burns, I think everyone loves Josh Allen and all these other edge rushers. I think Brian Burns is going to be a freak of nature. I think there's some real, like your your guy, Alton Smith, there's some Brian Burns stuff there um, where I think he's just going to put up an insane sack number this year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Bruce Irvin is still getting starts, so good for him. But Eric Reed fixed a lot of their safety issues down the stretch last year. And I think having him back is huge. Yes. 49ers legend. Um, Dante Jackson, uh, I think is a solid corner. You still have James Bradbury. I, I just think this defense has too many dudes and this offense is, they didn't really lose anybody. They just get a year older, Curtis Samuel, a year older, DJ Moore, a year older, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Ryan Burns is going to be very fun to watch. Right. I just, this team's going to be good. And, I am not at all concerned. The only thing I'm concerned about is Cam Newton's shoulder. Is he is he going to be healthy for a full year? Is this offensive line with Daryl Williams at left tackle and Greg Van Rotten at left guard and Matt Paradis at center? Is that enough? Is like because Trey Turner, great. Taylor Morton, Taylor Moten, excuse me. Uh, question. This offensive line scares me with Cam's injury concerns, and I think that will be the tail of the tape. If the if Cam plays 16 games, this is a playoff team. If he doesn't. I think they're in real trouble. Sure. All right. Um, last thing on the NFC West. The Arizona Cardinals. A lot of changes. I'm a big Kyler guy. I will preface it on that front. 
Um, but I'm interested. They invested a lot of draft capital into receiver, both this year and the past with Christian Kirk. They have Andy Isabella now, Keem Butler, a lot well, of they, dudes. They don't have Akeem Butler. Oh, no, not Akeem Butler. Why did I say Akeem Butler? No, well, I mean, they do. He's just on IR. Right. But he didn't have season-ending IR, I thought. No, it doesn't. He chance to come a, back? Yeah. I think, yeah, week eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but it's still, you know. So what I will say is this. The receiver, it's always, I for me, it's always, I'm appreciative as I am with the 49ers this year when teams add receivers. It's nothing more frustrating. Than, I mean, as a 49ers fan, I should know best, going a decade without having a true playmaker. So I got to give them, you know, respect. They they drafted the guy they wanted in Kyler Murray. They, they did something that no team has ever done in, you know, drafting Josh Rosen that year and then coming in with the new head coach and, Cliff Kingsbury and then taking Kyler Murray that takes balls uh and you know knowing very much that every single person on earth will be watching that very closely to see how he does they'll be watching Josh Rosen see how he does it's an exciting team but at the end of the day I think they just are a team you know like the 49ers two years ago that just have had too many holes they were a bad football team uh really bad football team last year and then when you have a bad football team spending all your draft capital on receivers, it's you know, it's it's going to be hard. I don't expect them to do much this year. I think anything above four wins might be a little bit of an unrealistic venture for them. But it all depends, you know, if if Kyler Murray is is you know, the the same thing that we saw Baker become coming out of Oklahoma too. Sky's the limit. I don't think that's coming anytime soon, and I think they're now in an – I mean, man, think about it. They are going to be going up against Jadavian Clowney, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Aaron Donald, Domicon Sue. I mean, it's going to be a tough year for the Cardinals. It, it's so hard. They're the hardest team for me to forecast in 2019 because I could see this offense being just – really fun if david johnson's healthy if they split him out wide a bunch if they get a full healthy season of christian kirk isabella is just a slot machine i i could see the scenario where this this offense just looks great but a lot of it too is like vance joseph is your dc now and vance joseph as a defensive coordinator not a great track record and i, I just could see them playing down a lot kyler uh, the snap count stuff is amazing. Like I love, <laughs> I love the the controversy surrounding that. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds. But um, this was one of the league's worst offensive lines and one of the worst offensive lines of all time last year. And uh, I I don't know. Kyler's a good guy to navigate that. I think obviously, but we'll we'll have to see what happens there. Um, okay, what do you got for me? Well, I mean, I think at the at the end, right? You we're talking about the Saints, and I think that that's kind of. Exactly what we all know. This is a damn good team with a lot of good pieces. They're going full in with Alvin Kamara. I just tell me a little bit, and let's 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 go both sides. Just tell me what the best season for them looks like. Tell me what the worst season looks like for them. The best season is the Super Bowl. I think they're still very much in the Super Bowl conversation. A lot of people are worried about how Drew Brees looked with the down the stretch last year and he he had some bad moments in in the the rams game but they were in position to win that they were in position to beat the vikings the year before 
they have suffered devastating losses, playoff losses in back-to-back years, and they don't fold. Sean Payton is someone who doesn't have bad seasons. Like, 8-8 eight and eight was the whole joke for a couple of years where he just couldn't get over that. But they were also in cap hell and were mismanaged and all that kind of stuff. But Dennis Allen has figured out a good group. Like, Marcus Lattimore had a sneaky bad year, and he was just a rookie sensation two years ago. I think that gets better. Um, Kiki Alonso is in the fold now. They've always struggled with depth at linebacker. Um, They are someone that I think are going to surprise people on their run defense. I I like that. I think their secondary will be better than a year ago. And also you can make the case that the best offensive tackle combination in football with Ramzik and uh, Taron Armstead, who was hurt at the beginning of last year. So as long as those two guys are healthy, um, the loss of Max Unger hurts, but guess what? They drafted a center early in the draft this year. So their offensive line, they build the right way. I believe it's funny that Jeff Ireland has like fixed the saints and um, being in the front office now and just his identifying talent paying Michael Thomas. You don't have that looming over the team. They're very um, Patriotsy in this way where the Patriots, if you look at how this offense allocated its resources, especially in the playoffs where like they went matchup by matchup and that's how they dictated what they did. Um, they targeted James White 17 times one game. They targeted Gronk a certain amount of times one game. They targeted certain guys a bunch. And it's like, until you stop us, we're going to keep doing that. And I think that's what all the great coaches do is they pinpoint a weakness in the opposing defense and they're going to exploit it. Michael Thomas is a every down mismatch. And if you look at how many times Drew Brees was going at him every game, you're like, oh, that's why Ted Ginn doesn't matter. That's why those guys where it's like, I don't really like the rest of their wide receiver room, but Michael Thomas is awesome. Alvin Kamara, another guy who they just target a shit ton because guess what? Covering Alvin Kamara is really hard. Bringing Alvin Kamara down is really hard. Covering Michael Thomas is hard. It's just, if Drew Brees is upright, he has time. He does a bunch of underneath stuff. He still is able to target Michael Thomas 16 times a game. I just don't see a scenario where they fall off. I think the defense will be better. I think the offensive line is still great. And I think Drew Brees has got another year of real contention. And I just, I'm still kind of annoyed at the Saints. I'm pissed at the Saints, I'll say, because I think they would have beaten the Pats in the play in the Super Bowl last year. I think they were a better matchup for the Patriots. I think the game 100%. would have been better. And we were deprived of Breeze versus Brady. So that's what I'm hoping for this year, honestly, is I think even as a Falcons person, like I obviously I prefer a rematch of Pat's Falcons, but I would also be 100% here for Sean Payton versus Bill and Breeze versus Brady. Who, uh, who retires first or do they do it at the same time? Oh no, Breeze. Definitely first. You think Breeze retires first? He's younger. Brady might just keep I just he looks better now than he did at like 34 he does I gotta say though I feel like I feel like one of these days Brady's gonna take a big hit and we're gonna just reevaluate this whole situation you can bet against Brady all you want Um, I'm not going to do that I'm the same way with Russell Wilson no way I'm not going to I get it yeah I I think Breeze goes first you know who could have a sneaky one though after this offseason my sneaky retirement pick is who Philip Rivers. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, no one's talking about it. No one's looking at it like, oh, this season might be his last because he's still great. Mr. Consistent. But like, I think they missed their moment last year. They're having the off season of hell and I think they're missing the playoffs. And if they have a bad year, 
I could see them moving on. I think he's probably just like, come on, Brady, retire. Give me one year without right. you. Yeah, that would that would be nice. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah. I just think he I think there's a real chance that he and Eli are both gone after this year. They go out together. That That'd would be, be cool. interesting. Yeah, that would be super interesting. One one leaves with two rings. The other one leaves with none. God, it's a cruel world. All I got to uh, say, though, it is this is one going to be one of the most exciting years of football and in my recent memory yeah it's pretty open um every t- like the i'm every division you can make the case like even the the afc east has no business being interesting but they're going to be interesting because i think the jets and the bills are going to be feisty like every division is going to, especially in the nfc where like bloodbath outside of the nfc east which i think is just barring a unbelievable injury riddled season from the eagles i think that's wrapped up but the other three divisions are going to be super tight and um i don't know i think i think you're right there yep i couldn't agree all right nfc north we're gonna go to the vikings going up north is dalvin cook and kirk cousins are they the kind of qb running back combination that can really contend with a bad offensive line because when they contended and when they, even when that offensive line started to break down, the reason the Vikings were able to survive two years ago and make a real run at the Super Bowl was because Case Keenum is like the perfect quarterback to play behind a bad offensive line. I'm not sure Kirk Cousins, who took a bunch of hits last year, and Dalvin Cook, who is already pretty injury prone, are the right duo to be able to survive behind a bad offensive line yeah you know i think i'm a big fan of dalvin and like as the years go on like i'm at a point where i don't think the acl tear is nearly what it used to be so i expect a really good year out of dalvin and i think what we saw in the preseason with that 74 yard run is really like what we should be expecting at the end of the day i just don't trust kirk cousins i've seen kirk cousins throw with a bad offensive line before I mean, he did it in Washington. I've seen him throw in all sorts of situations. The guy will put up yards, but at the end of the day, the guy's not going to win the football games. I think he had a really bad year, especially last year with that offensive line. I don't know. I mean, maybe it gets a little bit better. Uh, You know, I just – it's hard for me to pity a guy that has Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. And now Josh Doxson, who's a low-key, very good third Love receiver. Love Josh Doxson. I'll never quit on Josh Doxson. But, I mean, even – like, what a great situation for Josh. I mean, you look at guys like Devontae Parker and you look at guys like Kevin White who just never got their chance. I don't yeah. think Josh Doxson's going to be in that situation. I think he goes in and, I mean, he – you can't – you can't <laughs> – you can't do man coverage against Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. It's not going to work. You know, you're going right. to have to, you're going to need some help. So I think Doxson's going to have that really intermediate pass range to really, you know, do the possession receiver thing that he's good at. Uh, obviously, he's good at going up and getting that ball. I think I, I, I expect uh, the, the Vikings to be in the eight to nine wins territory this year. You know, maybe. Maybe 10 wins, but at the end of the day, it's Kirk Cousins, and he's just not the investment. I honestly expect, really, I mean this, the Vikings are a sleeper to take a quarterback next year with all those guys. Hmm. If if Kirk Cousins has an awful year after getting paid all that money. I don't think he, he can be awful. He's like one of those other guys who's just like, 
he's going to be just good enough to be like worst case scenario, like the 14. Matt Stafford. Yeah, yep. like Andy Dalton types, where it's just I don't see him being bad. I don't think it's possible. But I mean, last I do love year was not watching good. Adam Thielen watches. Uh, Adam Thielen um, route runs, I think, uh, are always fun. Chad Beebe, though, no hype there. I mean, <laughs> it's a great name, and I just I want this dude to be great. You know, um, also, just, Riley Reef was good for them. Riley Reef was good for them. Which is really weird. And also, Riley Reef. would you like to guess who graded better at left tackle last year, Riley Reef or Laramie Tunsil? Well, I mean, the way you're positioning the question, <laughs> assuming it was Reef. It was Reef. And uh, uh, he. I don't think he would cost uh, two first-round picks and many other assets. Yeah, like but, you know, did. that's Bill, o- Bill O'Brien. That's them. <laughs> That's quite the variable. <laughs> I just, I think I'm pretty optimistic about this Vikings team. I, I think... Kirk Cousins we get I'm really in on the dual tight end thing with Irv Smith it seems like he's going to be a really good Swiss Army knife for them oh I love the idea of that too yes I think it's gonna be interesting to see what Gary Kubiak does to this team because it seems like with what he got out of Joe Flacco his best year in Baltimore he is someone that if he's not running the team and he's just in charge of this offense and it looks like this defense I mean the the offensive line is going to be better I think Garrett Bradbury as a starting center will be fine. Pat Fline, uh, Brian O'Neill was solid last year. It's really just Josh Klein, who is the big question mark at right guard. But if right guard's your biggest question mark, then your offensive line's in pretty okay shape. Um, well, as a 49ers fan, I sure hope that's true. <laughs> that's literally yeah. their case. And uh, I think we're both pretty optimistic. And also, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, similar schemes. Very much so. So I, I think they'll be fine. I think the Vikings should be a playoff team. And if not... There are some real questions about Mike Zimmer and that job security, I'll, I'll say. Because I think there's just too much talent, especially like Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin being back, Anthony Barr and all that weird stuff, but he's back. Xavier Rhodes, you just look at all their different guys. Harrison Smith still awesome. They just have too much talent, and they also invested a lot in, in the secondary, and it seems like they, they really struggle to actually hit on those secondary picks. They always hit at linebacker and defensive line, and they never hit at corner or um, safety, it seems like, outside of... Um, every now and then like Xavier Rhodes and who has actually been kind of up and down lately. But anyway, um, all right, Vikings. There we go. Next up. Who do you have? So we're going NFC East, correct? We are. Yeah. You know, this is a very interesting division for me in that I think other than the hmm. Eagles, they're all sitting in the same position of kind of uh, looking to. Oh, you're sur- going to piss off so many Cowboys fans. Oh, come on. Uh, for, I, I think I think the, the the Eagles. We'll start there. We'll start there. Um, I mean, technically speaking, you're supposed to pick, but really, like, should we start the, with the Eagles? That's fine with me. Okay. Uh, the best team in the NFC, in my opinion. So, what I guess I would be most curious about is Carson Wentz is no longer going to have. The security blanket that is Nick Foles. What does this season look like for him? I mean, the last we saw of him, um, he was an MVP. Like, before he goes down, he's MVP. Like, there is... If he's healthy, he's gotten paid. They've invested in him. They showed that, like... I think you, if you're Carson Wentz, you're like, hell yeah. My group, uh, Howie Roseman and everybody else, they could have wavered. They could have stuck with Nick Foles. They could have been like, eh... We know what we have here. He won the Super Bowl. He's always going to be the fan favorite, blah, blah, blah. Carson, we could sell high. Like, they could have done that. 
if they were like, we don't know if this dude is ever going to be able to play 16 games, they could have sold high. Can you imagine what a trade would look like for Carson Wentz? Like, I just think what he would have been able to bring in, especially like now that Andrew Luck has gone from Indy and all their draft capital that Chris Ballard's built up, like what that would look like. But they invested in him. They paid him, gave him a bunch of guaranteed money. I think anything less than an MVP type season from him would be really hard for me to believe because if he plays 16 games, if he's healthy, he's that damn good. He's that damn accurate. He just, he's a freak of nature. And I think there's more talent on this offense they even had two years ago during his MVP type year. So you have Alshon Jeffrey, you have Nelson Aguilar, who's now a totally different receiver. You have JJ Arcega Whiteside, who I really like. Their offensive line, still going to be awesome, which is a really important thing when you want Carson Wentz to have an MVP type season. You need to have him upright. I love the Dillard pick. I think Jason Peters is still fine. You have, I, I think you can make the case it's the best offensive line in football. Like Lane Johnson's still there. You have so many dudes on this offensive line that are just great. Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, whatever. You bring in Miles Sanders. You have Jordan Howard. You have Zach Ertz still. I don't see a scenario where this offense isn't top five in offensive DVOA. And then this defense is top five in defensive DVOA. At worst, 10th. Like this group, they brought in Zach Brown from Washington. I like that a lot. Brandon Graham's still awesome. I, I think Josh Sweet's going to be like, or Josh Sweat, depending on how you want to go down that road. I, Derek Barnett's great. Malik Jackson was a sneaky, good cap casualty guy from Jacksonville where it just didn't work out. Not the right locker room, but he was great in Denver before that. Fletcher Cox is obviously awesome. There is no, no scenario for me where if this team's healthy and Carson Wentz specifically is healthy, that they are not the best team in the NFC. Yeah, the NFC, I, I mean, I, I you, there's a lot of good teams in the NFC, but that'll be interesting. Who is, to, I, I just, who's deeper? Who's Who checks all the boxes like Philadelphia does? They check every box you look for in a contender. I, what I is their this, weakness? I, I think the Saints do. I think the Rams do. I think the Rams, so let me put it this way. I think the the Eagles probably have the ability to go further in the playoffs, but I think the Rams are going to be better in the regular season at winning games. So just as far mm-hmm. as like a ranking, uh, schedule, uh, though. and the Bears are going to be such an interesting team just because they have such a good oh, I'm defense. I'm excited to get to the Bears. I'm ex- but, so excited to get to the Bears. Yeah, you know, Fangio left, so it's like there's a whole lot to get there. Um, so I don't know. I, I definitely, I definitely can see where you're coming from. I just don't know if I believe – you can understand from me once again. I hope that Wentz comes back and plays well because I'm, I'm hoping to see Jimmy Garoppolo do the exact same thing. Yeah, I just – I would bet on Wentz over Garoppolo. And I love Jimmy G. I love Jimmy G. I'm just I talking just, about the ACL terror, just just yeah, that alone. That would be nice. And also football is better when they're both healthy and good. Um, let's go to Detroit, who I've gone back and forth on all offseason – not a great preseason from them. For you, what are you looking for with Daryl Bevel now running this offense? No more Jim Bob Cooter mania. Um, <laughs> can this day. group be bad with 16 games of Stafford? And what does this offensive identity look like with Daryl Bevel? Daryl Bevel. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's an interesting concept, right? Daryl Bevel has obviously... Uh, you know, most famous for his years in Seattle. Um, I think the Lions drafted a very exciting player in TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. Uh, obviously, that's tight end university. Uh, that's where um, 
Noah Fant and George Kittle obviously came from. So I think if Bevel can use Hawkinson in the same way that he used Jimmy Graham or, you know, in the same way that he uses kind of that, that tight end position in a, in a more exciting manner, that would be fun to watch. I don't know if that happens the first year. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me with the Lions, it's the same thing as always. I'm most interested in the running back position. I think Matt Stafford's always a lock to throw for 4,000 yards. He does it like it's nothing. Um, but I'm really curious to see, you know, what happens with uh, the running back position and if they're able to actually like fully cement him as a as a as a number one, you know, as a number one rusher. I don't know. I really, I just don't have a read on this team. The only thing I'm like confident of is Kenny Galladay is going to be really good. He's fun like, to watch. Everything about Kenny Galladay is fun. He is a surefire number one receiver. They still have Marvin Jones. He's still right. good. Like they have a like Danny Amendola probably washed at this point, but like Carryon Johnson's a legitimate dude, and he should be better. That offensive line kind of shaky. Stafford some weird stuff off season, and like they're scaling back on his workload. The defense Trey Flowers should be is better. Be fun to watch, right? Like they they brought in Trey Flowers. They still have Darius Slay. They have Gerard Davis. Like Justin Coleman was like everybody's favorite sneaky. Don't worry, don't forget about guy. snacks. Yes. Deshaun Hand. But see, the problem with that part of it, though, is like, I don't... How much should we really value run defense? Like, great, you're you're good at stopping the run in a pass league. I just... I think sometimes we look... Teams go a little bit too overboard on loading up on um, guys who can, who can stop the rush. I mean, you know, it, once again, it, it depends... Right, but if you can stop the rush and you can also get to the quarterback even remotely, it's a strong thing, even in a passing league. I mean, that 49ers 2011 team, they you know they lit up the Saints, they lit up the Patriots, right? Like that's it's it's very much so. I still think a useful thing to have uh, in 2019, uh, but I don't think you can do one without having the you know the other. Uh, but I think that's my point is I think Trey Flowers is going to be that guy that gets to the quarterback and he's going to keep those teams honest. All right. Where are we going next? Eh. <laughs> Let's just go, you know, it's there's so I, this is my least favorite division. I obviously hate the Cowboys. I hate the Redskins as, as an entirety of an organization and ownership. So can we just, yeah, let's trash on the Redskins. That'll like make me feel better. I've got some bad news. What's that? You like the Redskins. I do. How? So I like Dwayne Haskins a lot. I'm big Dwayne Haskins guy. He's not going to play for at He'll least play. the first four games. Why do we say that every year? Like this rookie quarterback's not going to play. The rookie quarterback's going to play. Daniel Jones will be in there by like week two. Um, Daniel Jones guys is are going, bad. Up against, uh, going up against a awful Eli Manning. So, uh, yeah. I mean, Case Keenum is not exactly a and, much better option than Eli Manning. Yeah, Eli but Manning, at the same but, thing, you have to, once again, you have to understand that this is a Jay Gruden, Dan Snyder team. They are never bad. The Redskins, Jay Gruden's career win percentage, and you look at his stuff, this dude never, I wrote about this, like, this guy doesn't have bad years. Like, his first year in Washington was bad, but that was it. Like, he got better, and now he's, like, hit the cap, but, like, we would not be talking about this Washington team if Alex Smith did not get injured the way he did. 
Like, there's no chance they're bad. Then they're, like, my favorite, like, my second favorite team in the NFC East. I think they're in the third spot right now. They're probably positioned for 7-9, and nine, and I don't know if that gets everybody fired or not there. But their wide receiver group is terrible, but I also think this is the closest I've been a jumping ship from Washington and the Jay Gruden experience. I I still love that defense, especially, like, Jim Tom Sula, who you're familiar with. Oh, God. Coaching that defensive legend. line. Remember, that defensive line's legit. Remember that, Jonathan ooh. Allen, first off. Do you remember mm-hmm. how strong of a candidate he was coming out in the NFL draft? Him playing <laughs> with Jim Tom Sula is a match made in heaven. Right, and I can't quit that. I can't shake the feeling that this defense, Ryan Kerrigan, who's just always been an unsung hero there. Um, John Bostic, I think, will be good for them. I, I like him. I Ryan Kerrigan, like I said. Matt Iodinus. And it, how do we say his name? Iodinus. I, I, I what is know. it? I don't know. I, don't I, I so, just watch him. He's good. Deron Payne. They have here, Montez Sweat in the first round. They like are just drafting SEC guys on the defensive line. They sign Landon Collins. They still have Josh Norman. They thankfully did not trade him. I don't know why that was still something that they were thinking about doing. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to just what Dwayne Haskins looks like. Because I think whenever you have an opportunity... Oh, and also, I'm, I forgot my main reason that I love this team outside of Dwayne Haskins. Darius Geis. I was, who, gonna, I was waiting, yeah. Darius Geis, I think if he had not gotten injured last year, like we would all be like, oh, the Redskins are coming. Like Adrian Peterson obviously doesn't happen. Like Everything about this team looks different if Darius Geis is a multi-dimensional Swiss Army knife that just can run in between the tackles... It's just a bell cow back, but also just an insane receiver off the edge. And I think that's a real possibility. And so, I think I, I, I'm really intrigued. I will say as, as a guy that hates the, or, the organization as a whole, let me say this. When Dwayne Haskin comes in, I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. So I am excited about him. Darius is an incredible running back. And I fell in love with him, especially uh, preseason, you know, as the season was coming up last year, when he bun- bought a bunch of, of fans, you know, tickets, it, you know, just was running around. Very exciting guy. He, re- he reminds me of a a young Marshawn Lynch, just a happy mm. dude that loves the football game. Not even from a player perspective, just personality. But also, big fan of Bryce Love. Uh, I yeah. hope he comes back healthy. Obviously, the running back out of Stanford. I love Chris Thompson too. Chris Thompson, eh, yeah. But Josh Norman's still there. He's going to be, you know, reasonably good. Jimmy Moreland is going to be a fun guy to to uh, to pair with Josh Norman. Jimmy Moreland was almost completely not not discussed uh, in this pre-draft process. And uh, one of my buddies, Matt Barr, over at a uh, uh, Fourth and Nine podcast, had been just slamming his hand and fist about Jimmy Moreland. And then, of course, in the preseason, he comes out and gets like six interceptions. Uh, Montez Sweat. You know, obviously is a guy that was, you know, for teams needing an edge rusher was a very exciting thing. And then they still have a guy like Paul Richardson who they got from the Seahawks. Uh, you know, it, it'll be an interesting team. But at the end of the day, you got to see what happens with Trent Williams. He is one of the better left tackles in the NFL. And if he's not playing, it's going to matter. Especially because let me uh, go ahead and tell you who is starting on the left side of this line right now. If oh, Trent Williams does not play. I'm going to throw up. Donald Penn. Is penciling in at the starting left tackle spot, Eric Flowers at left guard. That's literally should be illegal in all fifty states. So that's my reason. Like, if you're, if any Redskins fans are like, why didn't Haskins start Week One? I'm like, 
Trent Williams might not be there. And if you want to throw Dwayne Haskins out of all the rookie quarterbacks behind an offensive line where his blindside blockers would be Donald Penn and Eric Flowers in 2019, then just like, wh- why? What Do you want him to fail? Like, wh- no, you don't want him to get Josh Rosen. I, I don't know, man. The Trent Williams stuff changes a lot for them. And that offensive line just got ravaged by injuries in 2018. That's the reason they fell off. But I then you have the Kevin O'Connell stuff, who seems like a very Sean McVay type. Um, who's not calling plays it's gonna be jay gruden but it would not surprise me in week eight we see that kevin o'connell gets the play calling duties and stuff like that but um do you think between washington and baltimore if they combine their receiving room that it would be an okay group at that point or do you think even if you added those two receiver groups together it's still just an abomination well i think laquan treadwell is going treadwell is going to have to sign with the redskins now with doxon going to the vikings so brandon perriman in there yeah find (laughs) trade for like i said trade for uh parker Mm. really just uh shore that in um honestly dude i i think between terrell Pryor, you know between josh doxon uh these guys i mean vernon davis is still on this team Love Vernon Davis. I do too, but I'm not going to take a, a team seriously. Vernon Davis was considered washed five years ago. I would never. I, I mean, I watched it happen. No, man. That dude was still doing stuff last year. He was doing stuff against Atlanta. He played that well. That guy gets open. He played well. He's a, he's, you're throwing that, uh, that, that vert. Throwing that post route. He'll, he'll be fine. I love him. I love Vernon Davis. Okay. Um, what do you got for me next? i just oh wait no no i i just answered it. i just realized um it's it's your turn what am i doing i'm the host here no you're I'm good delirious. you're good no you're right though what do i got and uh i think you know i think it's it's i do want to talk about the giants and we'll save the cowboys for last uh i am curious um just just your thoughts on uh what does this team look like i mean when you look the at the giants or the cowboys no, I want to go Cowboys last. Okay. I want to talk about I want to talk about Zeke and Dak last. I'm just gonna like step out for a few minutes when you go off on the Cowboys. I just I know. No, 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 no. It's I mean Zeke's a good guy, uh, but as far as the Giants, <laughs> Daniel Jones was an absolute joke. Pre-draft process coming in at number six, uh, guy looked pretty good in the preseason. Where's your head at with them competing in a not so tough division? Do the Giants have a sneaky good year this year? No, they fucking suck. But (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. There is zero chance the the New York Giants are good at football this year. Um, Daniel Jones, like Sam Monson ruined Daniel Jones' preseason for me because he went through of like the type of throws that he was making. Just a lot of easy stuff. They did everything possible to put him in a situation where it was easy throw after easy throw, not in arm's way. Like it. It's not real. The his stuff is not. It's it's a mirage. Um, Saquon's still great. I, Nate Solder was sneaky solid at left tackle. The offensive line should be better. Their receiving group, another team, just an, an abomination receiving room. And a lot of guys got hurt, and some of it was out of their hands. But also, they had this guy named Odell Beckham Jr. on the roster who they had paid and then decided to move on from. I think this is a group. That just does dumb shit. Dave Gettleman, like trading Olivier Vernon, who's a good pass rusher, who should be great for Cleveland this year, for an offensive lineman. Who? Ziegler, he might be okay. 
guess what? Doesn't matter this year. Um, Daniel Jones might be okay. Best case scenario, he's 28th in uh, QB efficiency this year. If he plays 10 games, maybe. He's going to be bad. Like, that dude is going to be bad. He's going to have a low completion percentage. He's going to struggle. Um, I still don't believe in that defense. I think they have a lot of holes. Like, that defense just... They did not like just letting Landon Collins walk made no sense to me. But and I mean, were, you saw what he got paid. The Redskins paid him a ridiculous contract. You'd still like the Giants need you don't bodies. pay Landon Collins that. I think you do when Ugh. you're the Giants. The Giants' depth is just bad across the board. I, I cannot believe where they're doing with some of these guys. Like, Alec Ogletree is still starting in the NFL in 2019. I think Dexter Lawrence is a reach. I did love the DeAndre Baker pick. I think DeAndre Baker is going to be an amazing corner in this league. Um, Their linebacker room, though, is atrocious. Their pass rush should be atrocious. Um, Their secondary should be a little bit better, but it's just this group is going to be bad. I don't believe in this group at all. Benny Fowler and Sterling Shepard are their pencil and starting receivers right now. I just, this team's going to be atrocious. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, listen, the, the thing that I will say is I, I I don't care about the Giants. They mean nothing to me. Evan Ingram's fun to watch. You know, Sterling Shepard before those injuries was fun to watch. So it'll be interesting. I don't think they're going to be interesting. I think they're no. just going to be awful. No, I mean, the, no, no. I'm all about star- stories and narratives. I don't think they're going to win more than six games. But six? Yeah. Oh God, Max is four. The Redskins are awful. That's no, the Redskins are a better a football team. They are a much better football team than the New York Giants. That's I just w- mean. I would imagine that the Redskins and the Giants have the exact same win total. Oh no way! We yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. We need to wager on this. No. Well, we not only that, but I'll just come back because I am a very, very awful gloater. I will be just, <laughs> just horrible to be around. Um, but no, yeah, I'm a hundred percent serious. I think you think the Redskins are a lot better than they are. And especially they don't even have a, that's not what we're talking about. We're saying better than the giants. I am saying they are guaranteed better than the New York giants in 2019 with, yeah, with Donald Penn. No, I think Trip Williams is going to come back. (sighs) Yeah. Well, we'll see. They're all hanging out on an Island right now. Uh, (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. I, I think uh, I think five to six wins from both teams would make a lot of sense to me. Where are we going next? I, um, where are we going next? Packers. Because I want to wrap up with the Bears and you can wrap up with the Cowboys. Cool. Because I have some hot bear sticks. Um, the Packers defense, where a lot of us are looking at that wide receiver group. Some surprise cuts there. Some new faces. Everyone's buying in on Marquez and that group. Devonte Adams is a bona fide star now, but um, Jay Sternberger has like every injury known to man, like jaw, everything, like just that dude starting the season IR. Not great um, for that offense, but the offensive line's great. Aaron Jones is a solid running back, and they have a good rotation there with Williams and him. I'm more interested in that defense because they spent a lot of draft capital on Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander last year to fix that secondary. The Dom Capers era is over. They made some interesting decisions on the defensive line. Um, they tried with Wilkerson last year. didn't work out. The pass rush wasn't there. Uh, Matthews is gone. I I think people penciled in Mike Pettin as like a good defensive 
coordinator and it's an upgrade of Dom Capers, but they were bad. That defense was legitimately, objectively bad last year. And that was a bigger problem than people may have realized. Do you think, because I love the Adrian Amos signing for them. He was really, really good last year and he's been good for the last couple of years. You put him in that secondary, you draft Darnell Savage, who seems like everybody loves. You already have Jair Alexander, you have Jackson, you have other guys. Is this defense going to be good enough to balance out a healthy Aaron Rodgers? Do you think they actually are good and we actually see a Mike Pettin defense get back in uh, an elite category again? Well, so first and foremost, I think there's enough pieces on the Packers defense to be competitive. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? Like, I mean, we're looking, are they going to be competitive? Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be one of the best quarterbacks. Again, no question about it. I think they're a sleepy, you know, they're a sleeper team for the Super Bowl, just in a sense of Rodgers is finally getting some weapons and he never has them. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is a good running back. So I think the offensive side of the ball is going to make the job of the defense a little bit easier. But when you're looking at the Packers roster, Jair Alexander is going to be one of, I really think, top three cornerbacks in the NFL. I do. He played so well last year. At the end of the day, though, it's just the other guys around him. You know, Rashawn Gary is going to be a very interesting story just coming out of the draft when really nobody thought he would be playing well. Everyone was calling this guy the absolute guarantee bus. And then he comes out and has a great camp. Uh, you know, he does well in preseason. So, you know, if you have these young guys playing well, like if you have Rashawn Gary getting to the quarterback, Jair Alexander is, you know, locking down one side of the field. I think it's a tangible thing. Uh, Muhammad Wilkerson is obviously going to be interesting there. As you said, Adrian Amos was, you know, a very sneaky signing. And to take him away from the Bears, too, is very interesting. So, you know, I don't know. I, th- I, think, I think they're going to be good enough. I think that's what matters. I think they'll be good enough to allow Aaron Rodgers to do his thing. Yeah, I... I don't know. I've penciled them in as my division winner. I just, I don't know. I can't escape the defense stuff. I think Mike Pettin might suck. I think there's a real chance that de- that defense does not make it to that next level again this year, and they have to make changes this offseason. I, I could just see it. I want to see it, and I don't know. Um, all right, the Cowboys. <sighs> the Cowboys. What do you have for me? What is your question for the Cowboys before we get into what should be a very entertaining diatribe? I just think it just is straight up, straight up. Is it, is it worth it? Can you justify paying Dak Prescott and Zeke this type of money? We just saw what Jared Goff got. Is it worth it? Dak? Yes. Zeke? No. (laughs) Oh man. I'm in, uh, so maybe I'm not the right person for this because like I, and I'm still having just PTSD from Devontae Freeman's contract, but I, if I was an NFL GM, I would never pay a running back after his first contract. Like I would have, like, I would have it just, nope, you're gone. Like we're drafting someone else after your contract. That 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 is my whole thing. And I think you can find another Zeke, you can find another guy like that. Like you're a fan of a team with Matt Breda, my dude, Matt Breda. 
Yeah, got no, him in the seventh but round. That's, but that's Kyle Shanahan. Nobody else does that. Kyle Shanahan does that. Steve Slayton, Arian Foster, uh, Duke Johnson. Like that's Kyle Shanahan. James White is a great player for the Patriots. Like I well, think the, the Chargers do that be fine. Too, they they do. James Conner stepped right in for the Steelers last year. He was fine. Like it just. I think you can find these guys, and it just doesn't matter that much to me. So I'm not paying Zeke. I'm paying Zach. I, like even if you don't think Dak's a top ten quarterback, and I don't. He's top 15. He's probably around the 11, 12 range. He's in that Stafford zone. I would like him more than Andy Dalton, but I I still just pay him, and you can still pay Dak and then find the next guy, just draft another quarterback, just add more guys to the rim. Um, we'll have to see what Kellen Moore's offense looks like and if it's more inventive and interesting and experimental than the Scott Linehan years. But I think – Locking up Collins was great. I think you lock up Amari Cooper because you saw how different Dak was with Which Amari was Cooper. Yeah. I, I think that's more important. I think Zeke is, and Jerry Jones is being a dick about it and saying things that he doesn't need to say out loud, but he's right in paying da- uh, in paying Zeke last. I think that is the way to do it, and I think I'm, I would be tempted to move him. I would be tempted to trade Zeke. Yoke, yeah, 100%. I would. Paying Jalen Smith, great. Like, pay Byron Jones, pay um, Lawrence, pay. You're going to have to pay the middle linebacker from Boise in a couple of years. Um, it's just, it, there's a lot of other guys who I would value more than Ezekiel Elliott. And it's unfortunate because it's just the nature of the position, but no, I wouldn't pay him. I'd pay Dak and I would not pay him. Yeah, I mean, so I, here's what I would say. Like, as, you know, as a, as a guy who is predisposed genetically to hate the you know the cowboys mm. um before um, amari cooper wow i i thought dak was absolutely awful <laughs> uh-huh. you know and it's like then cooper comes in and i do i always thought cooper was a good receiver I, I can't really trust what happens in the raiders you know can't really trust what happens in oakland um but yeah you saw dak all of a sudden have a, a reliable wide receiver number one and things changed. Uh, you know, he, he he came out last year and he played a lot better. Uh, Zeke is one of the best running backs in the NFL. I will not say, uh, you know, that he's the best. I just I, I can't. I don't think so. I would take Saquon over him every day. I would trade him and run with Pollard. I wouldn't trade him and run with Pollard, but I would trade him and uh, I would get just essentially the team that you're trading. Give me your back that you don't want. I think the Cowboys are going to have such a good uh, offensive line this year. That it doesn't matter. Sonny Michelle walked through holes last year for the Patriots. Like That's what I'm saying. Like You know what I'm saying? Like I, I agree. I, I really do. Definitely do agree. Um, but at the end of the day, for me, it's not this year. I think they're playing in the Eagles conference. So they're not going to win. They're not going to get into the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to get into the playoffs. Like, let me say that again. I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think the NFC is going to be an absolute nightmare of a division. There's a lot of good teams. I don't think the Cowboys get into the playoffs. I don't think Dak's that good. I think he'll put up decent numbers with Amari, but I don't think he, they get into the playoffs. If they do, it's not going to be with 10 or 11 wins. They're going to sneak in and maybe in a wild card slot. But I think for me, the issue, the issue why I say is it worth it is I'm talking the next five years. You know, you have – that's a lot of money between two players. And you saw what happened to Flacco. You saw what happened to Russell Wilson. Like you can't pay everybody. And if no Dak Prescott is going to be the guy that you are riding behind, 
I mean, I guess you might as well pay Zeke because you need something with him. It's just to you me. You already do. You have the offensive line and the receiving group because this is like the most interesting receiving core. They played pretty uh, bad when Dak was injured. No, I'm saying you you keep Dak. No, I know, and... but I'm just saying when they when Dak was injured, like I'm just saying, like I don't know, man. When Zeke was injured, they just oof. yeah. I I am interested to see how Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper look on the That's field right. together. I think I, that could be good. If I if Randall Cobb is out, is still able to run routes, that's impressive in, enough in in itself. That's an upgrade over Cole Beasley. And I think if Travis Frederick is healthy, Zach Martin's still awesome. You locked up Collins. Um, Tyron Smith is still Tyron Smith. Um, I think the that defense, offensive line does look good. Like they're they're just going to be dominant. I I think they're going to be a really good team again this year. I don't think they're going to be Eagles good, but they're probably around the nine and seven, eight and eight range. And I think they'll be on the border of the wild card game. And I just don't know if they'll ultimately get in. So we we agree. I'm just much more dramatic. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Chicago bears who they're going to be bad this year. The Trubisky stuff. I hate more than anything in this world. I, he is not good. Trubisky sucks. We need to go ahead and start there. Mitch Trubisky actually sucks at quarterback. I'm not sure he's an actual quarterback. I'm still operating in the zone that he should be like Christian McCaffrey. He's I worse think. than Dak and Dak sucks. So, Yes. Dak is a much better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. Yes. Um, and I'd like to like note one more one thing. I'd like to note I was there for their his six touchdown whatever game where he threw like five touchdowns in the first half. I've, I saw that in person, so I'm allowed to say he's trash. I've seen him at his best. He is, um, it's just, it's like you put him, like they got him out of a lab. Like he clearly just super green still, but I love the, the, the video friend of the pod, Zach Jacobson put out of him throwing left and just (laughs) all those passes. I, I just, I enjoy that kind of content. I think they are one of my favorites to just completely fall off. I think losing Vic Fangio is going to be a, a backbreaker for that team. Yes, Kulamak's awesome. Chuck Pagano was gone from the league for a year. It, it kind of reminds me of the Mike Pettin stuff where, okay, he was good and he was in the Raven system. He checks some good resume uh, boxes, but he's not Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, death taxes and a top five defense with him. And... I don't see that again this year. I think they got lucky in a lot of their secondary uh, situation. And they have Hawkman Dix there now. They have Eddie Jackson. Is he going to be the same kind of guy he was a year ago? Is Prince Amakamura going to play a full season? Is Kyle Fuller legit now? Um, they're set at linebacker. Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Leonard Floyd, they're all great. Um, Keem Hicks, obviously awesome. So that front seven will be fine. But I think that secondary is going to be worse this year. I think that secondary takes a step back. I don't trust them. I think they're going to be worse. Trubisky. Like he is just the number one pick for teams who have a full year of film on somebody. Oh God, I'm ready. Guess who else is starting for this team? Taylor Gabriel. Love that. Uh, Allen Robinson. Great. Fine. Anthony Miller should be interesting. Trey Burton. Nice little interesting thing. They lost Jordan Howard. They drafted David Montgomery, who everybody really likes. They have Tariq Cohen, who's going to be a good guy to have. Mike Davis has been on like 93 teams. feels like, or been in league forever. Um, I just, I don't, believe in this group at all i think they're a number one pick for me for step back fall off a cliff and they're like five and eleven and everybody's like what just happened yeah you know so 
for me, it's I'm a big Vic Fangio fan. He's gone now. I'm I'm that's like the number one thing I'm immediately paying attention to, right? I want to see what happens to the Bears defense, who has you know the, one of the best defensive players in football in Khalil Mack. I just want to see what happens. It's going to be a really good litmus test. How big of a difference does Vic Vic Fangio make? So that'll be the one thing I kind of take a look at first and foremost. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the team will only go as many teams in these situations as far as their quarterback can take them. And with Mitchell Trubisky even having significant weapons like he did last year, I think there's only so much and only so far that Mitchell Trubisky can go. Uh, You know, I am actually really excited for their running back this year. I think if they do a good job of – leaning on him and letting kind of the offense flow through him. Uh, I think Mitchell Trubisky is no different than, uh, you know, your, your Alex Smith's or your Jared Goff's where uh, they can make some of the deep throws and they can make some of the exciting throws. But at the end of the day, you need a strong running game to be solid with them. Um, you know, I'm usually the guy that's like, give me a reason to see the Packers not win the division. But I think the Packers win the division this year. And I'm very kind of almost excited to see Bears fans just get the win knocked out of them with all that hype they had. I think losing Fangio is a big deal. And I don't think that Mitch Trubisky can balance it out. I would agree. I just can't wait to see what Trubisky's numbers are this year. And I, I have bad news. I also think Anthony Miller is going to fall in the same issues that many of these other players had that are receivers that are coming out with a lot of hype from all of our draft buddies. I think I don't think Anthony Miller does anything special this year. Not good for the Bears. But, hey. Jay Cutler's going to be around for week one, though. Is he just hanging out? Coming to the so. game? Yeah, he's just hanging out. With him and his, uh, his reality star... Uh, wife? Well, he's the reality star. Oh yeah, the wife is just there. No, like it, Jay Cutler is the star. I don't know. His wife's funny. Have you watched their shows? I have. I watched the whole first season. <laughs> yeah. I don't think like it's one of those things where I look at it and I see like I I wrote a, a thing for Sports Illustrated like two years ago on Jay Cutler and why I'd never be able to quit him and all that kind of stuff. And I identify a lot with him and Zach Greinke personality wise and just demeanor and everything else and i've always appreciated that and what it looks like for him in marriage scares the shit out of me because i'm like i would do the exact same kind of stuff and i just he's a hard person to live with and (laughs) she just doesn't understand but i i think she genuinely dislikes him as a human being but also loves it's 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 wild it is a very interesting thing i am I'm all for him doing anything that's not football. Right. Like he should be enjoy I, I, life. Wait, why is he not back on um now that he's not playing for the Dolphins? Why is he not on TV this year? I mean, did pers- he not get the Fox job back? What real, happened? You know, I don't know. I I don't think he's a good analyst. I think he I think maybe maybe kind of give him like a Shaq uh Barkley role. Let him sit, you know, kind of in the booth during halftime and just talk shit. Mm. I would like that. And then also get Matt, get Pat McAfee on Monday Night Football. I don't know why they didn't just do that. Uh, well, Pat McAfee was fun to listen to. He would be hilarious on Monday Night Football. Yeah, it was definitely fun to listen to. You know who won't be fun to listen to? 
Hmm. The Monday Night Football uh, group. Not great. But it's better than OJ. Better than Jason Witten. Well, it's better than OJ. You do have a good point there. <laughs> uh, you know, the one thing for me that, like, and I don't know, maybe it's actually have, OJ Simpson would be incredible on broadcast. I don't know if we can do that. I think that's, I think we gotta, I think that's oh, absolutely we, not. He should not be allowed on any broadcast. I'm not encouraging hiring OJ Simpson. I'm just saying <laughs> I, he was an actor for a reason. Oh, yeah. He was a great actor, too. I mean, Lethal Weapon, come on. He's good. Well, he's good at that. Let me go ahead and rephrase that that comment. He's he's good at movies and personality stuff, driven stuff. Yeah, because it's just you you I, that that's like a whole podcast for another day. I, <laughs> we could do that many a times. Just more problematic answers about all of this, and you're just like, I there's no you can't just talk about him. Like there's no easy way to do it, and you just are like, wait, can I? You just you stumble over everything, and you're like, I don't even know how to. I haven't thought enough about it to figure out how i feel about any of it yet um all right well, i think that does it uh well it was a fun it was all it, i had a lot of fun um i'm mm. I, I can't stress it enough i am so happy football's back i am so happy the things that are we are talking about aren't six months away uh may both of our teams experience no injuries and lead a happy and healthy 16 game season and hopefully maybe even uh, you know 19 games that would be great. That would be great. Um, is there anything we need to check out from you this week on 49ers Hub or anything like that? Yeah, of course. Speaking of Trevor Sikama, being as he is the you know quintessential Buccaneers beat reporter, I mm-hmm. will be having him on and we'll be having a pod drop probably on Thursday uh, to give people a listen to, uh, to kind of do a game preview between the two. You can always check out 49ers Hub if you for some reason would like to hear about the 49ers. That's where we're at. Uh, and then Hubcast is that podcast. Other than that set your rosters football's back all right let's do that evan always a pleasure i appreciate it thanks man all right that'll do it for today's episode of the chase thomas podcast thank you again to our presenting sponsor panko chicken um thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod um and don't forget if you like today's episode and you are an apple podcast listener please leave us a five-star rating and a review it helps um you can also find us on google play spotify chase podcast.com um where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So Chase Thomas podcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. And uh, also follow me on Instagram at Chase double underscore thomas all right thanks so much guys and i will have another episode for you very soon nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah